We're in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read, and, and you can just go ahead and remain seated. We'll read together. Um, read along with me, if you would, in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to jump around our Bibles a little bit. I always say, uh, Pastor, the Sunday night crowd doesn't mind a little bouncing here and there in the Bible. And uh, I want to hopefully just uh, drive a point home. I, I, I sense this here, and, uh, but um, this is a message, I believe, that can be a help to any a body of believers. So we'll start in verse 1 there. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And in essence, it says, If you're a Christian, act like a Christian. Seek the things that a Christian ought to seek. And then it goes on. It says, Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. Uh, I heard Brother Parmar. It was, it was pretty funny this morning hearing Pastor Parmar quoting from uh, this world is not my home. I don't believe I've ever heard an Indian man quote from that hillbilly song. Amen. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Listen, don't, let's not put our tent pegs down too deep. Why? We're just passing through. We're just on a journey. Amen. So set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. The word mortify means to kill. Have in the margin of my Bible, thou shalt kill. What should we kill? Fornication, uncleanness, talking about in our own lives. These evil, uh, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. Some people have things and some people live for things. The people that live for things are idolaters, the Bible says. Say, I don't like that very much. Well, take it up with God. He wrote it. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these. He's talking to Christians here. He's talking to the believers at Colossae. Listen, those things don't belong in your life. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, here's our text tonight, put on what, church? Charity. That's love which is the bond of perfectness. 
And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Lord, we... We need your help tonight. We're certainly a needy people. I'm a needy preacher. Lord, I ask that you would smile upon this message. Help the words to be your words. Help somebody to be helped tonight. Lord, help somebody to consecrate themselves to be a help tonight as we look at this subject of the glue of the local church. Well, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I love the book of Colossians. It's a great book of the Bible. It just really is. You look at the book of Colossians, and, and it really, uh, so it, I think the, the key verse, Pastor, and everybody's got a different key verse, but I think it's uh, chapter 1, verse 18, if you want to go back just a page, amen. Uh, and that is, it says about Jesus Christ that he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have uh, the preeminence. I preached in our church not too long ago on this verse, and we talked about the preeminence, and, and uh, preeminence is not prominence. There's a big difference between preeminence and prominence. Uh, For some people, uh, he's present because he's their savior. For others, he's prominent, but he should be preeminent. And I'll just say this, a sidebar. If he's preeminent, he'll have the first day of the week. Hmm? If he's preeminent, he'll have the first tenth of your income. If he's preeminent. If he's preeminent, he'll have the first part of your day. Amen? If he's preeminent... Oh, I think we could go on and on, but that, that in all things you might have the preeminence. Turn over one page here, look at Colossians 2.9, another great verse here. It talks about our Lord Jesus Christ, and it says here, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What a verse. What a verse. And it's in these epistles, these, these, these letters here after uh, the book of Acts. We start in Romans and, and going all the way to uh, Timothy and Titus, the pastoral epistles, that we, we learn and God instructs his church. And in verses 1 through 4, again, I, I mentioned, uh, he tells us to seek heavenly things. Have you ever heard that statement, uh, that person is so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good? I've heard the statement, I've just never met the person. People that I met that were about the Father's business were seeking treasures that were laying up treasures in heaven. The, the, The people that were living for eternity and not for this old world. So he tells us there to, to, to seek those things which are above and to set our affection on, on things above. When a man is truly uh, in Christ, uh, he, he seeks the things that are above. Well, then he not only tells us here uh, to seek heavenly things, but he tells us to put off some things. We read there's a couple of laundry lists here in uh, verse number 5. Uh, it says there, we, we should uh, mortify or put off, get rid of in our lives, fornication. That, that's a word we're very familiar with in our day and age. It's the word pornea. 
Greek word is pornea, from which we get pornography. Fornication is God's umbrella word for sexual sin. It's basically, it's anything outside of the marriage bed is what it is. God says here, if you're a Christian, that ought not to be in your life. You ought to put that out. And by the way, Pastor, I love the fact that Paul wrote, he told us to mortify these things. Why? Because I've said for a long time, knowing the Bible, again, I'm not a Bible scholar, I'm a Bible student, but listen, a Christian can do anything a lost person can do. Just can't do it without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Just can't enjoy it. So he says, get rid of fornication. Get rid of uncleanness. That same word is used in uh, Romans 1.24 and Galatians 5.19 in the works of the flesh. and uh, It has to do with impurity, physically and morally. He says, get rid of that. Inordinate affection. That is lustful passions. Romans 1.26, same verse, or same word. Evil concupiscence, desire, lust, longing after that which is forbidden. And I just say this. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. God has bounds in marriage. Yeah, read uh, nowadays, marriage is whatever anybody wants it to be. Read what the Bible says. Marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. That means God says what's fair and foul. We were talking with Brother Spike playing softball, and uh, I had a game a couple of weeks ago. It was my first couple games of the year. I, I had didn't play much this year because my boys played Little League, so I go to their games, and then uh, uh, at the end of the season, I join the team and play, and, and it was my first game, and I uh, absolutely clobbered one. must have hit one 350 feet, just bombed it, and uh, it was a fair ball, and I went all the way around the base, but I've hit some even further, Brother Spike, and they were this far foul, and you know what the umpire said? Foul ball. And you know what I didn't get to do? I didn't get to run around the bases and cheer for a home run. God, listen, God says what's fair and foul here. God says what's fair and foul. In this idea of marriage, he, he talks about fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. And then, again, he says covetousness, which is idolatry. Then in verse 8, he says something else to put off. Anger. Anger. Make no friends with an angry man, Proverbs tells us, lest thou be like him. Boy, a Christian ought not to be, uh, a Christian ought not to be uh, summed up by somebody that maybe works with you and said, tell me a little about that guy. Boy, he's got a short fuse. Boy, that shouldn't be a part of a Christian's life. Oh, listen, we all got a fuse. All of us got an end to our fuse, but he's Christian here. He says anger, get rid of that, wrath malice, the desire to do physical harm, blasphemy has no place in the Christian life, blaspheming God, the one who died for you, the one who, uh, listen, the one who shed his blood for you, blaspheming him, no, no, filthy communication out of your mouth, amazes me. Christians, uh, what, what we allow and what actually comes out of our mouth. Well, we ought to be the one that doesn't, not only doesn't sit and listen to the dirty joke, but certainly the one who doesn't tell the dirty joke. Amen? He says here, he, he says, seek heavenly things, and then there are things to put off. Really, he, he goes on even in verse 9, lie not one to another. Listen, we ought to be truthful with one another as believers. 
Sometimes the truth is tough. I tell my kids all the time, listen, uh, you tell me the truth. You might still get disciplined for telling the truth, but you're sure going to get it worse if I find out you're lying. Lie not one to another. Why? Because, listen, he says we're in Christ. We put off the old man, verse 9, and his deeds. And then he says this in verse 10, not only are we to seek heavenly things and put off some things, but we're to put on the new man. Put on the new man. And that word, that word or phrase there, put on, is used three times in verses 10, 12, and 14. Tells us to put on some things. Put on the new man. Make a choice to put on these Christian virtues here. What does it say? Put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Down to verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God bowels of mercies. I love that song this morning, Brother Caleb. The mercy tree. The mercy tree. Where would we be without God's mercy in our lives? Well, I'll tell you what. God's shown us mercy. You know what we're supposed to do? Show others mercy. Mercy. So he says there, bowels of mercies. And then he goes on, kindness. Boy, that is just a, a word. I, I preached a message a couple of weeks ago, Pastor, on the missing ingredients of fundamentalism out of Ephesians 4.32. Be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It's a sister passage to this. and We preached on kindness, tenderness, and forgiveness, missing ingredients in fundamentalism. The sugar in fundamentalism's cake. A lot of guys eating fundamentalism's cake with no sugar. And it shows on their face, Brother McGee, doesn't it? Amen? Shows on their face. They look like they've been sucking pickle juice. Just walking around, no joy. Hey, be kind one to another. My pastor told me a long time ago, he said, behind every set of eyes is a broken heart. Be kind. Kindness ought to sum us up as Christians. Well, then he goes on and he says not only kindness, but humbleness. We talked about that this morning. So important, humbleness. And, and the idea of humility is not uh, uh, thinking of others first and yourself last. It's not thinking of yourself at all. Being humble. Humble. Nobody ever split a church by being humble. Nobody. Oh, I think about it. It goes on here. It says humbleness of mind. Meekness. Similar. Meekness, being meek. Long-suffering. And then it, it goes on, Pastor, and I love this word, forbearing one another forbearing. Uh, the definition of that means to hold oneself against, to bear with, to forbear, to endure, to suffer. In essence, ladies and gentlemen, particularly within a local church, you know what it means? We've got to put up with one another. I hate to break this to you, but some of you are not that easy to love. And if you, uh, if you really want to see somebody who's not that easy to love, you're looking right at the pulpit right now. Amen. I'm not that easy to love. I'm difficult. Blondie, be quiet. Amen. <laughs> she knows it's true. She's lived with me for 23 years. You know, in the church, you can't overemphasize forbearance, pastor. 
forbearing with people. Just, you know, if somebody gives you the cold shoulder or the brush, why don't you just stop and say, you know what, they're probably having a bad day. Maybe something happened in their life. Why don't you stop and just pray for them right there, amen? Forbearing one another. And then, of course, here it says, forgiving one another. And I love this. Pastor and I were talking about this the other day. There is no out in this verse. If you're looking to harbor unforgiveness, you better look at this verse again. Because it says, if any man, that's anybody, have a quarrel against anybody, doesn't say, well, you don't know what they did. It says, if any man have a quarrel against any, as Christ forgave you, so do ye. So unless Christ didn't forgive you, then you better do some forgiving. And by the way, that goes right along with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, when he said, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive your trespasses. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses... Neither will your heavenly Father forgive yours. That doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you're out of fellowship with God because of unforgiveness. So forgiving, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. And then we come to where I want to just take our outline tonight. In verse 14. I want to look, first of all, number one, at the greatest. The greatest. In verse 14, it says this. And above all these things. You know what the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says? This is really important. All those other things we just looked at forbearing, forgiving, bowels of mercies, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering this is above all of those. And those are some pretty wonderful virtues, aren't they? This is above it all. You know, that phrase above all is used. Uh, four times in particular in regards to the Christian life. Uh, Ephesians 16, 6.16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith. Uh, in uh, James chapter uh, 3, verse 12, it tells us, uh, Above all, to swear not. And then in 3 John uh, 2, it tells us, uh, I, I wish above all that you'd prosper. Here it's talking about something very specific, though, this superior statement. The greatest. But then we see the graces. The graces in verse 14. Again, we mentioned above all what? These things. What are the these things? They're they're the graces. They're the virtues that we just talked about. Humbleness, meekness, uh, kindness, long-suffering. This greatest is above all these graces. And then thirdly, we come to the glue. What does it say there in verse number 14? It says, above all these things, put on what? Which is the bond of perfectness. The bond of perfectness. The glue. What's the glue of the local church? The glue is love. That's the glue. I have met many people that have gone to many churches in our area. We have a young couple that's coming right now. I I sure love them and appreciate them. they got two little boys. They're both combat medics. They 
uh, serve in the National Guard base and invited us to their little boy's birthday uh, last month. It was wonderful. And he told me, he said, he said, Pastor, we visited such and such a church. And he said, and it was nothing but a rock concert. And he said, well, we went to another one and it just no Bible at all. He said, we come to this one, your church, he said, and it's not a rock concert, and and you have the Bible, but there's something else, and it's love. I want to do a little bit of chasing here in our Bibles, uh, if we could, in regards to this glue, because love is the glue of the church. Go back to John chapter 13. We quoted it this morning. Uh, But I'd like to look at it again with our own eyes here, and we'll look at a couple other uh, verses. John 13, look at verse number 34. Here we are at the Last Supper, and Jesus gives the statement in verse 34, he says, a new commandment I give unto you. I'm looking forward, I mentioned it on Wednesday night, I'm going to be preaching a series on the Ten Commandments coming up next month uh, in the spring, or in the fall rather, and, um, and I'm going to preach 13 weeks on Ten Commandments. <laughs> and uh, you say, well, where, where do you get, the, well, you have ten, of course, well, then you have, this is number 11 right here, this one. New commandment I write unto you. And then message 12 and 13 is uh, the first and great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. The second, command, second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So I figure 13 weeks ought to, ought to do. But here he said, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. And he doesn't stop there. Now that's good. Amen. I, that's amen. I, if, if every church would just read this part, it'd be fine. That you love one another. Amen. I believe that. But then he says this, Brother Paul, as I have loved you. That's a little different. That's a bit bigger. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, Ephesians 5.25 says. That you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. One of the things I love most about Loomis Park Baptist Church is our love one for another. It's, it's the glue, Pastor. It's the glue. Glue in the church. Three times in the ten years that I pastored, we have had members, good faithful members, who have really fallen on a hard time. Three times, Pastor, the Lord, only three, so don't anybody get any ideas here, okay? But the Lord burdened my heart to do a special offering for that, those families. One time, we had a man in our church who was just a vibrant man, I mean, just a man's man, and he got some sort of virus in his lungs, he was in ICU for 45 days, breadwinner. You know, they, they said, even when he got out, said, you won't be able to go back to work for four months. I just burdened my heart, and I watched the people of God give, I don't know, $5,000 to that 
precious family. Why did they do that? Love? Love? And another time, a, a young man with a young family, three young kids, uh, he, he, he ended up in a wheelchair. He had seizure, and he ended up in a wheelchair. And they weren't sure if he could work again. He did electrical work. He wanted him to be able to get on ladders, and nobody wanted to hire him, and all this, Brother Tim. And I just talked to our deacons and, and sent a letter out to our people and said, man, let's, let's just try to help out. I said, why? Another time, I don't know what it was. I think we had a five $6,000 offering. And listen, we're not a rich church. Contrary to what your pastor says, uh, our, our pews aren't full either, okay? But there's a lot of love there. And then a couple of years ago, we have a precious, precious couple that comes to our church. They have two 100% special needs children. They sit in those big wheelchairs, you know, the, the fancy kind of wheelchairs where they sit up and, and back and all that. And they're non-communicative. They can, they, you could, they'll smile if you talk to them. And uh, they'll moan during the service. We love it at our church. We get to singing, and all of a sudden, uh, the, the young man, Tommy, he's 21. He'll be back there, and we'll all be singing. And Tommy will just go, ah! And we just say, hey, Tommy's pitching in, amen? <laughs> they had a problem with their van. They have a handicapped van that, you know, that they get those kids. And they, all of a sudden, they didn't make it to church. And we, it was missions conference. And Pastor, you know what we did during missions conference? We did handshakes for the Horrigans. And every, I told them, I said, give them a Baptist handshake. They said, what's that? I said, well, that's where you put pictures of dead presidents in between your fingers and you hold your hand out. And now I, and I got a guy in my church, he gives me, gives me this big green thing like this with Ronald Reagan's picture on it. He says, here you go, Pastor. I said, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> talking about Ben Franklin, amen, and Ulysses Grant. And I don't know, Pastor, maybe three, $4,000 during missions conference. Say, what is that? You bragging? Nope. Testifying. There's a church out there in Jackson, Michigan that loves God. Hey, there's a church here in New Hartford, Connecticut. Loves God, loves God's people. So the glue there says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. That you have love one for another. Go, go uh, to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter, way in the back. First Peter chapter 4. I love this verse. 1 Peter 4, 8. Everybody there, say amen. Amen. And above all, thank you for that delayed amen there. (laughs) Better to get there late than not get there at all, right? Amen. So he says, here's that phrase again, and what? Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. He's talking to the people of God here. Talking to the people of God. For charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Well, this doesn't mean, pastor, that we'll never have to exercise church discipline over unrepentant sin. But it does mean that it's not some kind of weapon we use. Because we love people. We want to see them succeed in the Christian life. We want to see them help. We want to see them grow. Love. Love. 
covers a multitude of sins. Have you ever heard the phrase, and it's a good one, where love is thin, faults are thick, and where love is thick, faults are thin. Yeah, that's right. Love, above all, put on fervent charity among yourselves. Well, let's go to the chapter. We can't talk about this glue without going to 1 Corinthians 13. First Corinthians thirteen. And look what it says here in verses 2 and 3. I love this. It says, For though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, that's pretty big stuff, and have not charity, I am what? And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Verse 4, charity suffereth long and is kind. Sounds like some of these virtues we read in Colossians, huh? Rooted in charity or love. Charity vaunteth not itself. I think that would be humbleness hmm? rather than pride. Is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. I love this one. Thinketh no evil. Charity thinketh no evil. And it goes on, if you look down in verse 13, uh, now abideth faith, hope, and charity. But the greatest of these is charity, the glue. The glue of the church. At our church, Pastor knows, our, uh, and you'll get to see it, Brother Ray, we have a, a beautiful brick and cinder block building. Now, at your auditorium, I'm always jealous, Pastor, because you got the sheetrock, and, and our auditorium is block. I always say if there was a tornado in Jackson, the safest building to be in would be Loomis Park Baptist Church. It's solid. But in between those blocks is something called mortar. You know, the Bible calls us as Christians lively stones, interlocking stones. But you know what goes in between those stones? You know what the mortar is? You know what the glue is? Love. Love. And let me just say this. It starts with a love for God. That's the first and great commandment. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Love the Lord your God. A love for God's word. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Listen, if you love God... People that say they love God and love God's word and don't love the brethren are lying. There's a short in their electricity somewhere. So we, we talk about loving God and loving God's word. And then, can I say this, uh, church, and I, I know, listen, this is the Sunday night crowd and you know me, loving God's man and his family. Huh? Loving God's man. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to overstep my bounds. Pastor probably won't ever let me preach here again. Can I say one of, the reason, one of the ways you can love God's man is to not blow up his phone all the time? Pastor and I were at the ball game the other night. He must have got 13 phone calls. 
listen, I don't know who you are, but you're calling him too much. You learn to breathe on your own. You can do it, trust me. You can do it. Pastor, should I have Burger King or McDonald's? Did you pray about it? <laughs> Neither did I, amen. <laughs> no, really. Another way is to take care of God's man, and I, I believe you do that here. Listen, I'll just say this to the men of the church. It wouldn't be a bad thing if you say, Pastor, you have any needs. He didn't tell me to say that, and he would never tell me to say that. Pastor, you got any needs or anything we can help with? Take care. Love God's man. Love his precious wife. They love you. I know that. And I know you love them. I'm not upbraiding the church. I'm exhorting you tonight. There's a big difference. If you love God and you love God's word, you love God's man, love God's people. Listen, I said it before. I'll say it again. Some of God's people are not that easy to love. I know that. It may just be you. Okay? It may just be you. We, we used to joke with Dr. Malone when we were in Bible college. Dr. Malone just had this pastor. He just had this stern look. He was the president of Midwestern Baptist College, and he just kind of had this. He, he just, he, I always think of the, the prophet uh, um, uh, rebuke David, Nathan. Nathan. Every time I think of Nathan, uh, I always think of Dr. Malone just, or Samuel, you know, Samuel. Just, we always say, Dr. Malone, smile. He said, I am smiling. Amen. <laughs> oh, listen, we're all a little different in those things. We understand that. We understand that. Boy, we gotta love one another. You know, when you love somebody, I mean, when you really love somebody, you genuinely care. It's not manufactured. You genuinely care for that person. Boy, you want to help them. You want if they have a need. I think about. I think about in our congregation. We, we've had it both ways. We, we're, we're blessed in the fact that we have a, a good crop of uh, what we call hoary heads, seniors, amen. And then we have uh, babies being born as well and teenagers and, you know, all in between, amen. I think my group is probably the, the lightest group, and I think that's par for church pastor, amen, uh, you know, that middle-aged group there. But in and all, was some of the blessings was we had, we had some of our seniors adopt a bus kit. They adopted a bus kit. We, have, we, we bring in a bus. We don't have a large bus ministry. We probably bring in uh, 25 to 30 kids. But, you know, those kids a lot of times don't have any structure in their life. And so some of our sweet seniors would adopt them. Or just some of our people. One matter of fact, our custodian said to me the other day, she said, you know, uh, ages ago uh, we did adopt a bus kid uh, pastor, and, and she said, she said to me, she said, and you know who my bus kids were? And I said, who's that? She said, the Wallaces. And you don't know the Wallaces, but the Wallaces still come to our church. We've chased them all over the city. And uh, Avion Wallace and Clinton Wallace will be dressed in suits tonight, and they will usher at our church, these bus kids. But then we have the opposite. We have that charity, that love, that come fall and winter when seniors have a tough time with leaves and snow. We have some young people adopt out these seniors. You say, why? Love. Love. We love each other. Now listen to me. Love is a verb. 
It's not just I love you. You could say I love you. If a man say I love God and his actions betray him. If a man say I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. See, love is proven. Love is proven. Love is action. And so it's not just convincing myself of this emotion. It's putting feet to my words. Do I love this proven? Do I love this person? Am I proving it? Is my life proving the fact that I love this person? I know there's one person we all love, and that's ourselves. Come on. By the way, it's biblical. No man ever yet hated his own flesh. It's Ephesians 5. Listen, the glue of this church, and I know, I know there's been a, a lot of, a lot of uh, transitioning in this church, Pastor. You know what? You've gone through more assistance than any human being I know. Amen? And I'm one of them. Not just assistance, but people moving, retiring, all these things. Those of you that are here, listen, let's make sure that we, listen, we got the glue of the church in our pocket. What's the glue of the church? Love. Let's make, let's make sure we're proper. I'll just ask you a question. You can think about it, dwell on it. When's the last time you had a member of this church over to your house for a meal? Think about that. You know, you know why that's important? Because it's the glue. It's part of the glue. You get to fellowship with somebody. You get to, to know them. You get to, you get to uh, interact with them. You make a friend. I think of Carrie and I when we first went to Mountain View Baptist Church. Now, I'm going to be closing with this, Pastor. We first went to Mountain View Baptist Church up in Holyoke, Massachusetts, and it was a, a, a young church plant. I think Pastor Tharp planted uh, maybe a year after you came, Pastor. It was real close, amen. And um, he planted that church in 1986. We came in 1995, and so nine years later, and so there was all these people, Miss Bonnie, all these couples in, in their early 30s with three and four kids. That was just the... the who the church was at that time. They had some seniors and whatnot, but they didn't have anybody in their 20s. And that's what Carrie and I were. We were in our 20s. I mean, if we'd have looked around like some people do when they come to church and they do this and be like, I don't see anybody my age. Where's the door? But somebody in that church, a couple of couples actually said, hey, would you come over? On Sunday night, we're just having ice cream, and would you and Carrie come over? And we said, sure. We didn't know anybody. Listen, I, uh, I had just gotten saved out of uh, rock and roll lifestyle. I had a whole bunch of friends that I was needing to get away from, if you know what I mean. Huh? And to make some new friends was a wonderful thing. And those people, those, those couples, they helped us. They loved us, Pastor. They loved us. And you know what happened through that? We got grounded in that church, surrendered to preach, went out to Bible college, came back, worked as a youth pastor there at that church. I mean, you never know what a little love will do. The glue of the church, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Listen, bond of perfectness. Let's, let's just let's look at our love life, Amen. Do I love God like I should? Am, am I really loving God's word? Or am I just kind of going through the motions? Do I love God's man and his family? Do I love God's people? 
When's the last time you wrote a note of encouragement to somebody in this church? One of the things I love in our church, Pastor, it's, it's not very nice to look at, but it's a blessing, is our mailboxes. You know, when you walk right in, those mailboxes are all in line. It, it, ladies and gentlemen, it literally looks like a mail slot office, just one through 115 or whatever. But what a great opportunity to take a little note of encouragement, slip it in somebody's box when they get it. Say, hey, love you, uh, praying for you, amen. Uh, if there's anything I can ever do for you, let me know. Boy, that'll, you know what that'll do to people in a church? That'll get them stuck, amen, in a good way. That mortar, that glue. You know what happens to glue eventually? It hardens and it stays. Amen? You know what glue does? It keeps two things together. Hmm? That's what it does. Keeps a person locked to a church. And that is a wonderful thing. The glue of the church. Charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your blessing, your goodness on our lives, Lord. Please, bless these simple words, Lord, and I know, Lord, just a Sunday night message, but I love Sunday night messages. I, I love the, this idea of the glue, the love of the church. Our heads are bowed, our eyes closed. I want, I want to do something a little unusual today, Pastor. If you just give me a little bit of liberty, please.